From the last episode of this podcast, a few things have changed. Summer has gone, leaving space to a bright, mild Tuscan autumn. And now it's winter. Well, it's Christmas in a few days. On August the 28th, we welcome Livia, our baby girl, into this world. It has been long, exhausting and emotional behind words. Two months into parenthood, when we were slowly getting a hold of her, attempting our first outings, Italy entered a second lockdown. So we're back to where I was months ago, spending day after day, week after week at home. The old life, the 2019 life, seems so far away for more than one reason. I barely remember how it used to be, as so many things happened that turned our life upside down. Food, as always, has been the red thread through the multiple levels of change, the key to understand those changes and to make memories indelible. Before the new episode, I would love to thank you for the precious support, even during these months when we've been silent here with our podcast. I'm really touched by your comments, humbled by your feedback, happy to know that this podcast brings some peace, inspiration, practical advice and lightheartedness in your daily life during such difficult times. If you want to stay updated as not to miss a single episode, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you are listening to a podcast and share Cooking with Antelian Accent with your friends. If you like this show and you're listening to this podcast on an Apple device, please consider rating and reviewing the show. How to do it? It is very simple and straightforward. Open the podcast app Click on our podcast and scroll to the bottom of the podcast main page. There you can rate and review the show. This will help us enormously to be more visible so that new people can discover us and share the same passion for Italian food. Last but not least, remember that you will find all the links to the recipes we mentioned today in the episode show notes. And don't forget to visit juleskitchen.com for new stories and recipes from Tuscany. And now, let's start! Ciao! My name is Giulia Scarpaleggia and I'm a Tuscan-born and bred country girl, a home cook, a food writer and a photographer. I teach Tuscan cooking classes in my house in the countryside and I've been sharing honest, reliable Italian recipes for 10 years now through my cookbooks and my blog, JulesKitchen.com. If you love everything about Italian food, big crowded tables and seasonal ingredients, join us and follow this podcast, Cooking with an Italian Accent. My name is Giulia Scarpaleggia and you are listening to Cooking with an Italian Accent, episode 43. When I got pregnant, the first thing we bought was a big bottle of Amukina, a disinfectant sodium hypochlorite. This is the first thing that doctors, nurses and friends tell you. If you want to eat raw fruit and vegetables, you have to wash them properly to avoid toxoplasmosis, which means either with bicarbonate, yes, baking soda, or with amokina. One month after we discovered my pregnancy, Italy had to face the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic, and the amokina disappeared from supermarkets, pharmacies, and online shops, even from Amazon. 
Luckily Tommaso is a far sighted guy and he had already stocked our pantry with several bottles of amukina. I spent the following months washing all my veggies and fruit with amukina. Even the simplest tomato salad required a 10 minute soaking in amukina before I could slice my tomatoes. So now, whenever I smell that disinfectant smell, I get a pang of nostalgia of those first emotional, exciting days. The second advice is to avoid raw meat and fish, which for every Italian woman immediately translates into saying goodbye for nine months to prosciutto and salami. Along with this, I had to renounce to beef tartare or to fish tartare, which would anyway not be part of my daily diet, especially during a pandemic. Then you have to renounce to raw milk, cheese and alcohol. But this was easy for me as I usually drink just water, tea and coffee. On this purpose, they tell you to drastically reduce the amount of caffeine you take. Considering that dark chocolate adds to the caffeine daily intake and I could not renounce to that, I substituted my air grey tea with rooibos with a distinct note of bergamot. As I had to control my sugar intake to avoid gestational diabetes, I had to drastically reduce the amount of sweets and eat brown rice, whole wheat pasta and bread. Same can be said for farro, barley or oat. This, combined with daily walks, helped me to keep under control my weight and gave me an extremely positive pregnancy. Food played a memorable role also into my labor and during the first hours as a new mom. Livia was born at 11am on August the 28th. I went back to my room, sitting on a wheelchair, wrapped in a clean nightgown. The night before, when I was in labor, those corridors had seemed interminable, a labyrinth that I had walked through with several stops, holding on to Tommaso when the pain was too much to handle. Now I realized they were just a short walk. In the room, I met another new mum, and she was laying on the bed and chatting with her baby, who was born a few hours before Livia. There was also a tray on a corner table waiting for me with my lunch inside, and it was already cold. I was hungry. I had had my last meal the night before, when watching Wonder Woman in between contractions, Tommaso had heated a few frozen pizzas in the oven. I have been told to stock up on easy-to-eat carbohydrates to cope with labor. We start with pizza and then move during the night to spoonfuls of honey from the last jar left from our wedding reception, which I alternated with hot showers and a few minutes of sleep to recover my strength. The hours passed between the frozen pizza and that hospital lunch appeared now vague. Some had seemed fast, others slow and muddy. Tommaso and I, during the skin-to-skin time with Livia, had told each other about dead hours, to relieve them and understand them, to savor them, to exorcise the fear, to realize that we were indeed the spectators and the protagonists of that miracle. With unsteady legs, I moved on to the red plastic chair next to the table in the corner. Tomás had gone back home, as for the hospital's COVID policies, you could only stay a few hours per day. He would return in the afternoon, the moment when nostalgia and melancholy glow stronger. Livia was asleep in her cradle. I arranged it next to me so that I would keep an eye on her, so as not to miss a sigh from that new baby. 
she was still exhausted from that long journey that had brought her among us. With one finger, I ran along the curve of her cheek, the arch of her eyebrows, looking for similarities that I still couldn't recognize. Once I was sure that, yes, it was all true, I turned to my lunch tray. The pasta was now overcooked, with tomato sauce encrusted on the penne. The roast pork was a pale imitation of what I usually cook during cooking classes. The mashed potatoes were now like glue. Then there was a baked apple in a white plastic bowl. It was cooked simply, without sugar. It had still the core. The peel was wrinkled with the inside creamy. It surrendered to the spoon. I start hesitantly, but then I ate it voraciously, facing the wall with my hands, holding it by the stalk, licking my fingers. It was naturally sweet, soft and comforting. I found in that tray the food you crave when you are not feeling well, when you need an extra cuddle, a personal comfort food, a childhood memory that welcomed me into my new life as a grown-up, as a mother. In the following days, I chased that baked apple from meal to meal. Every day I was offered a choice of dishes to make up my menu for the following day. But then something inexplicable would happen, like a short circuit, because I would choose the gnocchi with ragu and in uncovering the dish, I would find a semolina soup. I would ask for grilled vegetables and instead they would bring me a plain wilted salad. But above all, Every time I hoped for the baked apple, and instead, three unripe plums magically appeared on the tray. I put all those plums aside and took them home. We ate them a month after, and they were finally ripe. Food is one of those elements that helps you get back on your feet faster, along with a good night's sleep. In the first days, as a new mother, though, you certainly can count on sleep, so I hope to be able to at least rely on food. But this is not the time and place to analyze the culture of food in Italian hospitals, because there would be so much to talk about. Luckily, Tommaso, who would go back and forth between home and the hospital, every day brought me all those foods that I had missed during pregnancy, along with the provisions that my mother would send me. Pasta with basil pesto, freshly sliced Tuscan prosciutto, a schiacciata baked the day before in the wood-burning oven, a fresh melon already cleaned and sliced, a bag of fruit, a ripe fruit. Even went so far as to smuggle in a 200-gram beef tartare to the hospital, hand-cut by our butcher friend, along with a bottle of extra virgin olive oil, a lemon wedge, pepper and maldon salt. The tartar came along with the news that I had to stay one more day in the hospital and I welcomed it laughing and crying with a mix of feelings, hormones and tears that identified the first days of a mother. Once back home, I tackled all my cravings, gradually ticking off that imaginary list that I had compiled during pregnancy. A fried egg with a soft, runny, honey-like yolk, a thin slice of cured lard, imperceptibly melting a warm toast, carbonara, pan-fried liver with sage, raw milk cheese. We ordered sushi takeaway for our second wedding anniversary. And most of all, I started making pans of baked apples. I shared the recipe for my favorite baked apples on the blog. I'll leave a link for you in the episode show notes. 
This is the end of today's episode of our podcast, Cooking with an Italian Accent. It was a sweet and short way to say that we are still here. We will be back soon with new episodes, interviews with friends, recipes, stories and traditions. I'd be curious to know which are the rules, the does and don'ts of pregnancy and motherhood food-wise in your culture. And which was your experience, either as a new mom or as a close friend or relative taking care of a new mom. Share it with us via email or on Instagram using the hashtag cooking with Italian accent and tag Jules Kitchen. If you have questions about Italian and Tuscan cooking, just email me at jules at juleskitchen.com or join our Facebook group, Cooking with Jules Kitchen. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you are listening to a podcast and share it with your friends. You will find all the links to the recipes we mentioned today in this episode show notes. Don't forget to visit juleskitchen.com for new stories and recipes from Tuscany. Ciao!